scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 32, uh, verses 22 to 32, where we read about how Jacob wrestled with God. So out of reverence for God's word, please rise as we uh, read from Genesis 32. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. So, uh, we were going through a series before, and uh, uh, we went through a series of Psalms. But today we're going through Jacob, and, and just a little to tell you why is because my community group and I are, and some of my friends are doing this plan, this Bible plan. Have you ever heard of it? It's called uh, F, F260 Bible Plan on your Bible app. Does anybody know that? Uh, Pastor, Pastor David uh, suggested us to be reading God's Word together, and it's really been a blessing to be truthful, to be very truthful. I was kind of like, okay, this is another Bible plan, whatever. But to see my brothers and sisters, to see in the app that people are actually reading the, God's Word, it was really encouraging that we're reading the same passages together and it was encouraging when people would make comments. So if you're not doing any kind of Bible plan or kind of any kind of scripture reading, I strongly encourage that you find a Bible plan, however you, you want to do it, however times you want to do it, be consistent with it. Because God's Word is super, super important. It teaches us so many things about the world, about us, about God Himself, that we might not know just by reading random scripture, just, com just coming to service. Yes, coming to service and listening to the message is great, but to reading it on your own and struggling with it and wrestling with it is something that we should all be doing. Before I begin, let's pray, and I can start. Uh, Father God, we just thank you again for this day. Thank you again that uh, we can come and to read your word. I pray, Father God, I know I'm not going to say anything that's... Uh, you know, mesmerizing or something like that, but, but your word is powerful. So I pray, Father God, that each of us in this congregation, Lord, would listen to your words, and Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us, teaching us about who you are and your, your plan for us and your desire for us. 
And so, Father God, as we read your word, every time we read it, help us to be changed and transformed, molded and shaped to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can reflect his goodness, his greatness to the entire world through our speech, through our actions, and through our thoughts. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being here with us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jacob's Transformation is the title of this, and, and I encourage you guys to start reading. It's, uh, it's found in, the, actually starts in the, in the 20s and the 22 of Genesis, uh, Jacob and Esau, but then we're going toward the, the last part of it. So I want to encourage you guys, if you're not reading it yet, it'll, it'll make more sense if you read it from beginning to end, this time of Jacob and Esau. And thank you, Victor, for reading the passage. I'm sure this is a story when, when, when Jacob wrestles is a familiar story, but before we even get there, you should know a little bit back story before we actually get to this story. And so I want us to look back and to see Jacob's family history. Jacob's family history, of course, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham and Sarah, son of Isaac and Rebekah. He's the brother of Esau, husband of Leah and Rachel, nephew of Laban, uh, and the father of, the, of his 12 sons and one daughter, who ultimately become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, he has this inheritance from his grandfather, Abraham, who God promised a covenant. He promised three major things. He promises, promised the land of milk and honey that he is going to be given to him. He promises descendants numbering the stars in the sky. That, that's how many and that him and his family and his descendants would be a blessing to all the nations. So this is God's covenant with Abraham and through Isaac and through Jacob and through the rest of his descendants. So a lot to live up to. But we're going to focus on, on his sibling, Esau. Now, they're, they're twins. Uh, uh, Rebecca gave birth to two boys. And the first one is Esau and I think the translation comes out to be Harry Rag. He came out of his mother's womb, and he was this bloody, hairy rag of a boy, and so they called him Esau. He was the firstborn, and he was loved by Isaac, because Isaac was kind of that hunter, manly kind of guy, and so was, so was Esau. Um, and then he was like the was really skilled warrior, this really skilled hunter, this if you could see this man's man type of guy, I'm sure he's like a giant figure of a person, very strong. And then there's Jacob, and his name is the supplanter, or the heel grabber, because he came out of the womb second, and he was grabbing at the heels of Esau. And ultimately, he's, he's mama's boy. <laughs> he's the mama's boy. He's, he liked to stay at home all the time. He liked to like, probably read his books. Uh, he liked to cook with his mom, and you'll find out later. And, and very different in personalities. And Rebecca loved uh, Jacob. So Isaac loved Esau. Rebecca loved Jacob. And twice, and this is where the crux of the story comes, where Jacob cheated Esau twice out of his inheritance and his birthright, his blessings. One, he made a stew. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Esau came home after a long journey, and he was like starving. He's like, oh, I'm so starving. And then um, he goes, hey, you have some stew, Jacob? I was like, yeah, some stew. And he goes, I'll trade you your birthright for that stew. And, and then 
I don't know what he was thinking. He's like, oh, sure, I, I'm so hungry. I'll, I'll change you. I don't need my birthright. And in this, Esau was very arrogant because he was strong. He, he thought of himself as powerful, a great leader of men. I don't need my father's inheritance. I have this birthright. I don't need it. I don't, I'm going to trade it to you. And then he ate it all up. The second time he does it is that he, he uh, Jacob, again, Jacob is this guy that, uh, and alongside with his uh, mom, Rebecca, were very deceitful people. They lied, and they schemed, and they cheated. And that's crazy to think about how God can use these type of people to further, to continue his great plan, his sovereign plan. And so the second time he, uh, uh, when Isaac is about to die and he's about to pass the blessing to Esau and he says, Esau, go outside and, and get me some game this one last time so I can, when you come back, I will give you a blessing. And then, so he goes away and he, Rebecca hears it and says, oh, this is the time to strike. And so he calls upon Jacob and says, hey, dress up, dress up like uh, uh, your, your brother, put some like goat's, goat's hair on his hands, and so when Isaac comes and feels you, that he goes, oh, that, that, must be, that must be my son Esau, because at this time Isaac was blind. And so they, that, it happened. He comes in, he gives him some meat, finishes his contract, not knowing that he gives his blessing, this blessing that he's passing down to Jacob. Now, Esau, when he comes back, he's like, what happened? Oh, I gave you, I mistakenly give, given my blessing to your brother. So Esau is furious. He is mad, and he's going, he even says, I'm going to kill that Jacob. And so what Jacob does in fear, knowing this, hearing this probably as he screamed, as he shouted in the little uh, village that they were in, he ran with, with, with only a staff in hand. He basically left with nothing. So he runs, he runs, his, his mom Rebecca tells him, hey, I, I, have a, I have a brother out in Haran, and in Haran you can find safety. And so he, he, he runs to this place, Haran, and he finds this guy, Uncle Laban. And Uncle Laban also deceitful and treacherous and, and cheats him. So Laban is an is a animal make, a caretaker, I guess. He raises animals and sells them. And so what Laban does is like, all right, would you come, come work for me? And, and Jacob really likes his daughter, his youngest daughter, Rachel. He only has two. One's Leah, one's Rachel. And he serves for seven years in, in, his, in his workplace for Rachel. And on the night of their marriage where they consummate the marriage, he finds out that it's not Rachel. It's actually Leah. And he's like, oh, my gosh, who are you? Oh, my gosh, it's Leah. What are you doing here in my bed? Oh, my gosh. And, his, and he demands to Laban, hey, what's up? What's going on? Hey, I promised you a daughter. I didn't say which one. <laughs> so, so what does it take for me to uh, marry Rachel? Work for me seven more years. And then so seven years went by again, and he ends up marrying Rachel, and some more years come by. Two decades full. He gets to marry two, daughter, uh, two of Laban's daughters. And then finally, uh, God blesses him. He gives them 11, children, 11 sons, 12 sons, and one daughter, right? And so God's promise is being fulfilled during this time. God is fulfilling his promises and making his, 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 uh, his descendants numerous, the stars, right? But during this time, 
Laban is getting jealous because God is really blessing his livestock, and, it, and he's out, outpacing in terms of wealth and riches than Laban himself. And all his men are, like, really getting upset, and they're threatening to kill them and kill Jacob and his family. So Jacob, again, has to take his family and leave, not empty-handed, with a staff, with the family, servants, and animals. And so he leaves. Then God speaks to him once more, one more time, and he says, Instead of wandering around like you have, I need you to go back home. And this is two, two decades later. Go back home. And, and Jacob goes, you know what? Okay. I am going to go. And so he wanders around. For, he's on his way back, and he realizes one thing. He realizes that he has to walk through uh, this area of Edom. He has to walk through this area where uh, Esau is. And she's like, oh, man, I don't want to go where Esau. What if Esau finds me? What if he kills me? What if he kills my family? What, what's going on? What's going to happen? Okay, but let's, let's go. And so he goes. Right, can you go to the next slide? Here's Jacob's fear. So he enters the land of Esau, and it says here, when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you. 400 men are with him. I'm going to die. He's going to kill me. I have like a bunch of men and women, and my kids are still very young. I just have little servants. We're all shepherds and stuff. We're going to die. And in this, in great fear and distress, Jacob divided his people uh, who were with him into two groups, the flocks and herds, the camels as well. And he thought, if Esau comes at me with one group, then hopefully the other group could escape. So he's thinking how this can be affected beneficially. How can, I, how can I get out of this with a win? Just in case one, one dies, at least the other one will. Have you ever felt distressed? Have you ever feared what will happen in the future? What should you do? When that comes, where do you go? Do you call your friend up and say, hey, I'm in really big trouble. I need help. Do you, do you look it up in Google? Um, I'm in this really big mess, and I need to Google this and how to get out of it. Maybe YouTube. You learn a lot of things, how to get, do things in YouTube, I, I found out. What do you do? And this is what Jacob does. Next slide. He prays. I encourage you strongly, if you're ever in a situation or a, t a time or a place, a, a circumstance where you, you don't know what to do, I urge you, my brothers and sisters, to pray. Then Jacob prayed, Oh God, my father, my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives and it will make you prosper. I, and he's speaking to himself with sincerity and earnestly in his voice from what we're reading. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant, especially when he thinks back in history, all the, all the crimes he's committed against his brother, all the times he's tried to cheat and think of himself as a priority. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I've become two camps. God has really blessed him. In verse 9, he says, he acknowledges you are God, and I come humbly before a great and awesome, mighty God 
keeps his promises. He has spoken loudly and clearly, and I'm obedient to you telling me to go, I will go. I'm here, God, in front of perhaps my worst enemy in Esau. And then finally in verse 10, he says, I'm not worthy of your blessings. I'm so not worthy of your grace and mercy. Yet you still bless me. In verse 11, this sounds should be very uh, this should sound very familiar to many of us. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid that he will come and attack me and also the mothers of my children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and I will make you descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. What he's basically saying here is I don't have the strength to do, I, have not, I don't have the strength to fulfill your, your great plan. You have this great plan for me and my line, but we're almost going to die here. But I cannot save them all. Sure, he could run, he can flee, but then all his descendants will, will pass. And how does God fulfill his promises if all my line dies? I don't have the strength to save everybody. I would like to if I could, but I can't. And many times when we go through stress and troubles, circumstances, we cannot and we don't have the power to, to change those things. Many times we have people who are in our families who are dying. I'm not a doctor. Many times we have broken relationships, broken families, divorces. I can talk to them, but other than that, I, I, I feel helpless. I cannot. God, I need your help. And so we go to the Lord in prayer. Now, does this sound familiar? Save me, oh God. So he, he, he goes along with this plan. He sends um, his, we, to the point where Victor was reading from that particular passage. We have here is a theophany. And you're like, what's a theophany? A theophany is a visible manifestation of humankind, of God or God. A.E. like the burning bush, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, when Daniel, in the book of Daniel, was dancing around with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, there's a theophany when God makes himself present in physical form. And it is amazing. It is supernatural. And so, Jacob's praying for this. Jacob's praying for deliverance. And so God answers. But in many times when we pray to God, God, we may pray to God to certain things in certain ways, but God has a great plan and he listens and he, he answers according to his time, according to his ways. But he always answers. And so here he, he answers in a theophany. In Genesis 32, we, we, we actually go to the section that uh, Victor just read. That night Jacob woke up with his two wives Two female servants, 11 sons, and they sent, he sent them across. After he sent all his possessions, all his family across to the Jabbok, 
he was alone. And many times when we're in those situations, back on. I'm sorry. I put my hand in my pocket. Um, And in those situations, when we are alone, we're very alone. We feel alone. And in those moments, it's the best time to pray. There's no distractions. There's no sounds. There's no anything. You're alone, and you feel alone. You feel lonely. But God is always present. God is is always there. And no matter where you are in the world, there is nowhere you can go that God cannot reach you. There is no place in the world to the outer space to the bottom of the ocean. There's not a place where God cannot hear your prayers. And isn't that a wonderful feeling to have a God who can hear you anytime, any place, anywhere, under any circumstances? You could be on a boat. You can be in a plane. You can be in the bathroom. Wherever it is, God knows and hears you. So there he sent them all across. It's, it's, it's turning dark. And there's a figure that comes out of the darkness. And he doesn't know who it is. We're suspecting that he knows, he thinks it's Esau coming to kill him in the night. To take advantage of it. He doesn't want this bloody war, so it must be Esau. So, he, so Jacob doesn't know who it is, but he says, okay, let's square up. Let's square up. Okay, he's, he, he's in ready stance. He's ready to fight, and he engages this unknown person. And what, what happens is the strangest thing. They wrestle and they fight. At this time, it's, we know that it is God. It is Jesus. He says this in verse 30. He knows he saw God face to face as he fought him. But he didn't know if he could win or not. But he didn't care. And once he realized sometime during that fight between, and it had to have been like in the dark, in the, night, in the nighttime, maybe 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock toward the evening, and he fought at least for eight hours. Somewhere as he's wrestling, grappling, and touching, he realized this guy is supernatural. This guy has, it's, not, it's not Esau. I know Esau, and this ain't him. And let's get this straight. He, Jacob had no chance of winning. Jacob had no chance of winning. I read an article saying that this kind of playful, playful uh, wrestling is like if I, if I was wrestling James. James likes to wrestle me. I like to wrestle with James. But there's a certain point where I can't wrestle him back. I have the power to, and I can. I could crush James. I I could crush James. (laughs) But I choose not to, for fear I'm going to hurt him. And so God does the same thing. And it's not necessarily that I want to hurt James, but sometimes I just want to play with him. Sometimes later on, I need to teach him a lesson. And you had to teach him a lesson that you can't always fight your battles. You cannot always win. Sometimes in life, we fail. But he still needs to go through the struggles, just like many of our kids, just like you. We all need to go through life taking risks, even if we can't win, failing and knowing how to rise up out of it, how to ask God in prayer to, to carry us through, to help us persevere, 
So he said, okay, let's go. Let's square up, whoever you are. And they're wrestling. We're fighting headlocks. And then the angel, we think it's Jesus incarnate, says, hey, it, it, it's, it's morning. We fought for hours and hours. Okay, it's time. We're done. And with a touch, not a punch, not a kick, with a touch to his hip, it was over. Ow! Done. Or so we thought. Ow! He just dislocated his hip. And how many would let go at this time? I would have definitely let go. Like, you in, you in, you in. But no. Jacob, he realizes the situation, his desperateness. He realizes he's undeserving of God's blessing, but he wants it. He was given out of deceitfulness, out of cheating, blessings from, from, uh, from Isaac, stolen away from, from Esau. But he wants a blessing from this dude who he knows is God. Those blessings came from men. I want my blessing come from God, and I will fight you as long as I have breath. And so one is in a headlock, the other one's grabbing his leg. Esau, I mean, sorry, uh, Jacob is in super pain. I will not give up. I will not let go unless you bless me. Let me go, Jacob. I'm going to hurt you. I cannot unless you bless me. At some point after he did that to my hip, I realized how painful that was with the touch. Literally, this guy, who we think is Jesus, could have killed him at any moment. Could have touched his brain, could have touched his heart, and just exploited him. But it, it wasn't for that purpose that he dislocated his joint. He dislocated his hip so that he would always remember of this moment. In Genesis 32, we're almost done. In Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles with God. The man asked him, what is your name? As they're still holding on, they're still struggling at this point, clinching to each other, and the sun's coming up. What's your name? And I don't, it doesn't have any kind of exclamation marks or any kind of periods or any kind of things that we can hear. Jacob. Just Jacob, not the son of Abraham and Isaac, not, not their descendants. He didn't talk about his money. He didn't talk about his fame. He didn't talk about his family. He didn't talk about anything. I am just Jacob and all that it comes with. Because you know this Jacob, he's this deceiver. He's this supplanter. He knows what his name means. And so he could have said, Jacob, my name is Jacob not really wanting to divulge that name because it means deceiver, supplanter. And it, and it comes with all the things that were with him. It comes with all the sins that he brought into this relationship. And the man said to him, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome It doesn't mean that you beat me, you win. It means you persevered, and I allow you to continue to live. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. And then so Jacob called this place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, 
and yet my life was spared. I'm alive. Israel means the one who struggles. And in some translation, it also means governed by God, that God is in control. So during this time, during this time, we see Jacob's transformation, right? He was this really bad guy, vicious guy. He just cheated. He, he wanted to supplant him. And he was a very, if you notice how he was physically, mentally, very weak, very cowardice person. And through, his, and through his journey and through his trials, God has strengthened his, his mind, his attitude, and even his body as he's, as he's working with, with these animals, that he's growing, becoming stronger and stronger. In that same way, God didn't really, really, he didn't really understand who he was in Christ. He still wanted to do things his own. He still wanted to, to make all the plans and preparations himself without fully letting go of control, of submission, until he was out of strength. They fought so long, he couldn't resist any longer. And so finally he gave up all that he had. And that's what God desires from us, that God desires us to have full submission, full authority, full governance over our lives, and that's what God desires. And it wasn't until this point when he struggles so much and, so, and struggles so hard that that's where God desires us to be with him, to the point where we need him. God wants us to be always at this point where we know we need him. In Revelation 2.17, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on it, known only to him who receives. Here it says, to him who overcomes, who triumphs, who, who, who perseveres, I will give him some hidden manna. Do you know what manna was in the Old Testament? It was life for many of them who were dying, who were hungry, who were starving. Manna was something that God gave because they needed it to survive. And so here it says, if you overcome, I will give you what you need. To him overcomes, God will give him what he needs. This represents a change of nature. We have been called by God, saved by his son, sanctified by his spirit, and then changed into his image so that we ultimately, who we are, is not defined by what we are like, but what ha- what, what, who he has made us to be. In Hosea 12, 4, we say this, this, is, this is a real event. This was not going on in Jacob's mind. This struggle and this wrestling that he had is not, it's not his imaginations. He, Jacob, struggled with this angel, overcame him, and he wept and he begged for his favor. There's emotion, there's this crying, there's this, this genuineness that he's struggling and fighting for what he believes is God's blessing. That night, Jacob began the evening believing his greatest foe was Esau. 
He ended up that night believing that his greatest need was to trust in blessing of God's promise. And what changed him from fearing man and trusting God was God's word. It was prolonged and painful and wrestling with God. He wrestled with God. That was his biggest thing that he needed to overcome. He knew that he could not do it without it. He knew he could not survive without God's blessing. And so he fought with all his might to do that. There's this author, Fred Buccaneer, one of the most recognized authors by Christian, characterizes Jacob's divine encounter at the Jabbok River as a magnificent defeat of human soul at the hands of God. Magnificent defeat, the soul, the hands of God. God desires complete and utter surrender. And we're almost done. A quote from Desiring God, I, I, I was reading and I like, like what this said. Sometimes in, in your battle with unbelief, your greatest ally will wrestle you. He might even make you limp until you're desperate enough to say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. It is a great mercy to be brought to the point where you're desperate enough to insist on what you need most. And for all of us, that is Jesus. Application, pray. Pray, pray often, pray a lot. Pray in times of need, but also in times of celebration. Whatever's grieving you, whatever answers you can't quite understand, whatever, 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 again, whatever you need, go to the Lord in prayer. I want to show you something real quick, and I'm, I'm almost done. There was a time a couple years ago, I was, in, I was in the hospital, and I was in my moments of, of deepest pain and struggle, and I prayed a lot. And when... And it was really lonely in the hospital because there's nobody there, especially in the middle of the night. No one's taking care of you. They're kind of watching you, make sure your monitors are on and things like that. But I was alone. And it was one of the most painful and lonely times. And then guess, who, guess what? God came to my rescue each and every night. Spoke to me clearly through his word, through song, through fellowship. My wife, my kid. It was Christmas, and so that, that, that's uh, Jesus' birthday cake. And then the other time in my life, and that's that little pink card. I'm pretty sure you can't read it. Um, but, but ultimately what it says, um, ultimately what it says is, I want a wife. I want to get married, God. I'm 30-something years old, and I want to have a family. And what it says here is, God, will you provide me a wife who I can minister, uh, be in ministry with, who I can love others with, who I can have a family with, and I can't do this by myself. Please help me. Next slide. Reflect upon Christ's working in life, and that's what I think that started the transformation in Jacob. He looked to what he was and who God is making him to be. And so he reflected on his life. Next. And submit yourself fully to the lordship of, of, of God. At some point, again, in your, in your moments of desperation, 
in your moments of loneliness, submit to him fully. And lastly, <laughs> prayer meeting. You probably wouldn't, didn't think this was the last slide, but it is. I want to strongly encourage you to go to prayer meeting on Wednesdays. I'm not kidding. I'm not even joking. Please go to prayer meetings. It's every, it's every Wednesday, and I want you to go. But you're like, oh, I'm busy, or I have, don't have time. I, I have all these excuses that I can give not to go to prayer meeting. But do me a favor. Plan out one, one Wednesday of the month, and just go. Here is where we pray. If you can't go to frontline prayer meetings every first of the month on Saturday morning down in the chapel, start out by making it a discipline to come out once a month at first, and then hopefully you'll come more often. Because I truly believe that prayer is where we do the most wrestling. If you believe that prayer is something that you need and you believe that prayer works, Praying with your brother and sisters in one accord even makes the prayer greater. Praying with your brothers and sisters. Let me close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you again for today. Thank you for just walking us through the life of Jacob. We pray, Father God, that you would help us to submit ourselves. Many times, I, I know, we try to take control of our lives. We try to, like, do everything and give you a little peace to help out. We try to give you a little bit of power in our lives to, to make us feel better, to make us believe we're Christians. But Lord God, we know that you do not just want a piece of our time, uh, a piece of control of our life, that you want all of it. You desire complete, submissive control of our lives. And because we are smart, because we're talented, because we're gifted, because we are experienced, we tend to push you aside and say, let me do it first, God, and if I can't do it, I'll let you come in. I pray, Father, that we would not get to that point, that we would place our lives into your loving hands, your faithful hands, your all-knowing, our future plans hands, All right, and we would submit our lives to you. Father, we give you thanks again for this Sunday that you just remind us, if anything, just remind us of our responsibility to you as Lord and Savior of our lives to give you our all. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.